Hey team, it's time to huddle up. Welcome to the Reading Teachers Playbook, your go-to podcast for upper elementary literacy teachers and those that support them. I'm your coach, Eva Mirelas, and I've got 18 years of experience in education specializing in upper elementary literacy, a master's degree in advanced literacy, and a K-12 reading specialist certification which means I'm poised to help you grow as a literacy teacher and help you help your students grow as readers. I'm here to help you fill your literacy teacher playbook with winning plays that grow your capacity while increasing student performance. On this team, we celebrate our wins and learn from any bad plays. We do this by simplifying and intentionally leveraging evidence-based tier one practices so that everybody wins. You will leave each episode with tools that help you take what you learn from theory to practice by following tangible and easy to implement steps. Say goodbye to overthinking and living in your head or overcomplicating the process. I know that you are totally capable of keeping up with the latest research in literacy and taking messy action in order to help your students grow. Now let's huddle up and get into the episode. What is science of reading and why does it matter in the upper elementary classroom? This is episode 73. The goal of this episode is to help you walk away with a clear understanding of what science of reading is and what, why it matters in your upper elementary classroom. You'll also understand what role it should play in your hitting the refresh button agenda for this school year. Welcome to this week's episode of the Reading Teachers Playbook. I'm glad you're here. I know that your time is precious, and so I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to spend a little bit little bit of your time with me. Thank you for allowing me to help you grow your capacity so that you can then positively impact student performance. In the last episode, we kicked off our Hitting the Refresh Button series where we talked about hitting the refresh button on best tier one practices in the upper elementary literacy classroom. As always, I will start by defining the what, discussing the why, and help you walk away with tangible tools via the how portion of the podcast. Let's get into the episode. Let's start by defining our terms. SOR, or Science of Teaching Reading, refers to the body of research done around how students learn to become proficient readers, meaning that it centers explicit and systematic instruction and the skills that teach students how to decode and understand what they read. These skills include phonemic awareness, phonics, knowledge building, vocabulary development, fluency instruction, and of course, comprehension. If you've been around literacy instruction and research for a while, then these will sound like the five pillars of literacy put out by the National Reading Panel, meaning that we have known for a long time what components of reading build proficient readers. What we hadn't really agreed on before, before now, is how to provide students with high quality instruction in each of these areas. We are now hearing verbiage that instruction in each of these areas needs to be explicit and systematic. No more throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that it will stick. All students need access to this type of instruction in order to help grow a literate society that knows how to think for themselves. If you've been around these internet streets, then you know that there are several people that have decided to put balanced literacy and SOR or science of reading into two opposing camps that people are now calling the reading wars. 
Although we can all appreciate being passionate about the best way to teach students to read, I think our time as literacy advocates or teachers is better served by learning what the latest research says in, is best for students and putting those things into practice. It doesn't mean that we throw out what we know about getting students to fall in love with books, but let's be honest, what good is book love if we don't also teach students how to accurately read and understand those books? Let's recap. We talked about what SOR, or Science of Reading, is. Now let's talk about why it matters in the upper elementary literacy classroom. As upper elementary literacy teachers, we are very aware that our classrooms often mirror that of the one-room schoolhouses of old with a wide variety of ability levels in our classrooms. We may be teaching third, fourth, or fifth grades, but our students' literacy ability levels can range from first to beyond fifth grade, and we are expected to meet all their needs. In addition, we may notice that our on-level readers are also in need of intentional and strategic instruction in order to help <clears throat> move them forward on their literacy journeys. These are all reasons that SOR, or Science of Reading, is important in our literacy, upper elementary literacy classrooms. We need to be able to fill in gaps for students as well as continue to help them gain proficiency with grade level standards. We need to be able to provide students with explicit and systematic instruction, especially at the tier one level. This approach to teaching was usually reserved for struggling readers or already identified dyslexic students. Now we're learning that in order to build more equitable learning experiences for students, they all need access to high quality, evidence-based tier one instruction. Let's recap. We talked about the science of reading, what the science of reading is, and why it matters in the upper elementary classroom. It matters because as upper elementary teachers, we are charged with both filling gaps for struggling readers as well as helping all readers gain proficiency with grade level standards. It also matters because ensuring that all students have access to explicit and systematic instruction ensures a more equitable experience for all students. Now, let's talk about how to incorporate it into our classrooms. Earlier, I mentioned that we are in the midst of a refresh series. In that last episode, we defined hitting the refresh button as coming back to with renewed energy, back to something with renewed energy and strength. This means that sometimes we already know what to do or how to do something, but we somehow have gotten away from it. This is one reason that I'm going to come back to my favorite way to explicitly teach anything in the literacy classroom, and that is using the mini lesson framework. Before we go any further, let's define the phrase explicit instruction. Explicit instruction means that the actions of the teacher are clear, unambiguous, direct, and visible. This makes it clear what the this makes clear what the students are to do and learn. Nothing is left to guesswork. This definition is according to the Colorado Department of Education. I am taking time to define this for us because I feel that as the late as of late, the mini lesson has actually taken quite a beating, especially when it comes to the idea of whether or not you can explicitly teach something using this framework. 
Explicitly teaching a concept does not mean that the student will have mastered the concept by the end of the lesson, no matter how long or short it is. Students only master something after they have had a sufficient number of opportunities to practice the new skill. Also, there are believed to be four stages of mastery and they are novice, advanced beginner or apprentice, competence or master, and expert. Depending on the skill, all four levels will not likely be achieved in one lesson. I say this because the number one reason that teachers usually state is the cause of them keeping students in front of them for 45 minutes is the idea that they are waiting for students to show them evidence that they got the concept being taught. While we do need to plan for formative assessments in our lessons, we cannot and should not keep students in front of us for 45 minute lessons. It's not developmentally appropriate to do this with elementary school age students. This leads me to the next reason that many lessons are my go-to, and that's because they respect student attention spans. One website that specializes in testing and therapy of children stated that the following stated the following regarding age ranges and time on task. Three-year-olds can spend 68 minutes, um, have a 68 minute attention spans or can spend 68 minutes on task. Four-year-olds, eight to 12 minutes, five to six-year-olds, 12 to 18 minutes, seven to eight-year-olds, 16 to 24 minutes, and nine to 10-year-olds, 20 to 30 minutes. That's it, guys. So think about your grade level that you teach, upper elementary teachers, and then think about how many minutes your students can actually sit there long enough to really um, attend to your lesson. I know that some people have mini lesson PTSD <laughs> because you were taught that the mini lesson should only be 10 minutes long and that students should be able to go and practice the skill you just taught them for an hour while reading a book of their choice independently. And that didn't work for you. I also know that although that is not how I implement or implemented many lessons, this is what some of you think of. Here's the thing, around here, the mini lesson is a tool that we use to teach a variety of skills. We don't assume that one mini lesson is going to be enough to take students from novice to expert. We do know that intentional planning will help us equip students with tangible tools that they can start to practice on, on, their, on their way from novice to expert. We use the mini lesson framework as a tool. In episode 61, we talked all about how the mini lesson is truly the MVP of the classroom, and that's because if done correctly, it provides you with the avenue to teach students the skills they need and embed necessary practice in with direct instruction. A mini lesson is a framework for delivering intentional instruction in a short period of time. This framework helps guide your instruction and ensures that your instruction is focused and intentional. It also ensures that students walk away with skills they can implement. Here is the structure. Learning target, what am I going to teach? Connect, how can you connect today's lesson to their everyday life or to something they have already learned? Teach it, teach the lesson using a simple student-friendly, using simple student-friendly language Try it, give students an opportunity to try out the lesson. They may or may not do it perfectly, but they can start building body memory from the practice they get with you and their peers. And then the takeaway, how will they use this lesson in their everyday lives? Here are the ways 
that you can use a mini lesson in your literacy block to teach the word study component of your block, to teach the grammar portion of your literacy block, to teach the writing craft portion of your literacy block, to teach the comprehension portion of your literacy block, to teach the read aloud portion of your literacy block, to teach handwriting skills, to teach phonological awareness skills, to teach your guided reading or strategy group lesson, and to teach your student a new skill during a student conference. Please note that I used the mini lesson framework to teach each component of my literacy block when I taught fifth grade as of for three months last year, um, as well as this is how, it's what I coach my teachers to use and it really works when used with intention. Meaning you really do need to plan for it. Like any other lesson framework, winging it isn't going to yield you the results that you wanna see. If you're needing support with crafting a mini lesson that sticks, you can grab my free guide. I will link it in the show notes. Trust that you want this if you're trying to refine your mini lesson. It comes with a curated playlist of podcast episodes dedicated to the mini lesson, a template for implementation, and a list of mini lesson do's and don'ts that you can use to audit your own mini lesson. Let's recap. We talked about my favorite way to deliver explicit instruction, and that is to use the mini lesson framework. I talked about why the mini lesson is still the MVP, no matter how many people are saying differently right now. I also talked about my free guide and how you need to grab it now and use it to audit your mini lesson. In this episode, we talked about what the science of reading is and why it should matter to you as an upper elementary teacher. We also talked about how in the world to deliver this instruction in an intentional and tangible way. If you or your campus is needing support with ways to implement evidence-based tier one instruction, book a discovery call with me in the link in the show notes. Until next time. Thank you for huddling up and taking a page from the Reading Teachers Playbook. I really do consider you a part of this team, so I need your help helping other teachers find this podcast. Please take time to rate and review the podcast on Apple iTunes so others can find it too. Take a screenshot of this episode and tag me at Miss Eva Mirellas on Instagram. Finally, check the show notes for any links mentioned and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a play from the Reading Teachers Playbook. See you in the next episode where we will huddle up and tackle more challenges together. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode.